forgiven forever, resting in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Uh, if I could say it like this, religion says do, Jesus says done. Uh, religion says work, and Jesus says I worked. Now rest in what I've done for you. I believe this series is going to set people free from condemnation, from fear, from the fear of hell and the fear of death. I believe it's going to lift shame, guilt, and worry off of your life. And you're going to see God as Father. You're going to see Jesus as the lover of your soul. And you're no longer going to live with a, with a heavy guilt of what could happen. First John says it like this, that even when our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. And I believe that this message of the gospel over the next four weeks is just going to be greater than the condemnation that could come upon our life. And God's just going to radically set you free. So uh, I'm so excited about this series. Y'all expectant for God to speak to you over the next four weeks. Amen. And so bring a friend, bring a friend, bring a friend. Thank you for those three claps. I really felt it. Thank you, Luke. You tried. It was like you were, it was like a, like a golf, not a NASCAR, but it was good. And so uh, I, I really am. I'm expectant that God's not only going to speak to you, but if you'll bring friends and family, they're just going to be lifted. Um, Holy Spirit, speak to us now in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Thank you, Godwin, so much. This is Colossians chapter 1. Before we can even get to kind of the meat, I, I, I got to give you this two verses that are going to kind of be our foundation over the next four weeks. Yet now, can you say now? Everybody say now. Yet now he has reconciled or restored you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. Just want you to think about this. This is past tense. It's, it's already happened. The moment you placed your faith in Jesus, I don't even know if I'll get past Colossians 1 today. The moment you placed your faith in Jesus, you have been restored back to perfect fellowship with God. You go, restored? When was I ever? Humanity, in the beginning, Adam and Eve had perfect relationship with God. The Bible said they were naked and unashamed. Hello, somebody. <laughs> they were naked, they were unashamed, and they walked in perfect fellowship with their heavenly Father. But because of sin, sin separated us from God, but, be, but through the finished work of Jesus, through what Jesus did for us, we've been reconciled, we've been restored back to that perfect union with God. Now, as a result, as a result of what? As a result of Christ's death, as a result of the cross of Jesus, he has brought you into his own presence. Some of y'all are in here and you go, I'm a Christian, but I don't feel God. Well, tough luck. You're in his presence right now. Just because you don't feel it doesn't mean it's not real. Just because you might be in a dry season doesn't mean you are not in the presence of God right now. He has brought you into his presence and now now this is going to freak you out this is in your bible you are you you i know what you did last night and i know what you've been dealing with and i know i know the issues that are going on in your soul and and i know i know where you are in your journey but here's what god says about his children you are holy and blameless and you stand before him without a single fault 
Now, you may not be able to say that about your kids. You might stand before your kids with some faults. You might stand before your boss with some faults. You might stand before your spouse with some faults. You might, you might look in the mirror and see your faults. But when God sees you, he says, I see you as holy, blameless, and without a single fault. But, now, this is where all of us religious people like me, I, I grew up in very religious Pentecost where I got saved every week. Come on, somebody. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, amen, every week. Every week. Even if I didn't respond, every day, thank you. It was every day. It wasn't just every week. Even if I didn't respond to the altar call, y'all know I was praying that prayer at the end, like, just to be safe. Like, my pastor actually taught us that, like, well, just pray it in case. I'm like, what? Now I look back, I go, what were we thinking? So, so when, I, when I see this word, but, I go, oh, yeah, yeah, but, you got to live holy. You got to live right. You better tithe. No, no, no. But you must continue to believe this truth. What truth? You're holy. You're blameless. You stand before God without a single fault. If if you'll believe it, and if you'll stand if you'll stand firmly in it, and if you won't drift away from the assurance, eventually you'll start walking holy, blameless, and without a single fault. See, when you got saved, your spirit got born again, washed in the blood. But how many know your soul is still jacked up? You still got addictions, you still got problems, you still got issues, you still got. But if you'll believe the word, let me tell you what will happen. Your soul will catch up to your spirit. But we believe that until it's caught up, we're not saved. And God says, no, 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 you are right now saved. If you believe in Jesus and you've made him the Lord of your life, you are holy blameless and you stand before him, how would that change your worship? If you didn't start worship as, as we begin to sing the songs and the first five minutes of it, you're so bound in condemnation because of what you said this week or what you looked at this week or what you drank this week or what you swore you would never do again, but you did it again this week. And now we get into worship and the first five, 10 minutes of it, you're just so bound in guilt. You're, you're trying to deal with God and God's going, homie, you're holy. You're blank. How would you worship? Without a single fault, how would you lift your hands? How would you clap? How would you celebrate the goodness of the Lord? How much more generous would you become? And how much, how much of a better man or woman would you become if you already knew that was settled? But we got to continue to believe it. Hear me, friend, because of the cross, you are forgiven forever. This is how God sees you. So, so what's our part, preacher? What do I do? You keep believing. That's what the Bible said. You keep standing firmly. You keep praising continually. Renewing your mind to the truth of what Jesus has already done for you. And as you do that, your life will change, not from the outside in, but from the inside out. When God sees you, God sees you as holy, blameless, without a single fault. I pray that even in this first week, condemnation already is just beginning to melt off of you.
But I, but I did this, but I said this, but I've been in this. If you're a child of God, you're holy. You're blameless and without a single fault. See, now in the Old Testament, God required sacrifice. You can read about it literally from the beginning of Genesis all the way to Malachi. God would require sacrifice for our sin. The Bible actually says this, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Remember, remember when Adam and Eve sinned, God said, hey, the moment you sin, you're going to die. So when Adam and Eve sinned, they died spiritually, but there still had to be a death. So what did God do? Do y'all remember Adam and Eve covered themselves in fig leaves? Y'all remember that? And, uh, and that's religion, trying to cover myself. That's why the last miracle Jesus did on earth was he cursed the fig tree. And he said to the fig tree, you'll never bear fruit again. Because religion doesn't work and religion doesn't bear fruit. And maybe the reason you're not bearing fruit is because you're still stuck in a religious system and you're not embracing your, your position as a child of God. <laughs> I know we're only four weeks into this church. This is probably too deep. I should wait a couple of years, but I'm just going to help you right now. So God goes to Adam and he goes, why, why do you got a fig leaf? And he said, because I'm naked. And he said, who told you you're naked? And so what does God do? God covers him with a sacrifice. The Bible said that God covered him with the skin of an animal. And from that day, God began to require animal sacrifice. Now here's what's amazing. In Leviticus 5, God says, you're going to bring a sacrifice to the priest. And here's what he says, Reuben. He says, this animal is without blemish. In other words, you can't look into your field of sheep and go, okay, well, that's the three-legged blind one. I don't want him anyway. I'm going to send him to God. You know, kind of the way we give offerings sometimes, you know, like, oh, I got $2. Okay. You know, okay. Anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> God said, I don't want that. I want the, I want the best one you got. I want the firstborn and he cannot be blemished. But now, Daniel, when you bring me that offering, and let's say I'm the priest and you're bringing me that sheep, you know what I do? I grab the sheep from your hand, Leviticus 5, and I inspect the sheep. I don't inspect you. Because I already know you're jacked up. So, <laughs> not you. So I don't look at you and go, oh man, you're a sinner, you can't bring an offering. No, 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 no. That's the whole reason you're bringing an offering. So I don't look at you, I look at the offering. <laughs> when God looks at me, he doesn't look at me. He looks at the offering. The reason he can call me and you holy, blameless, and without fault is because Jesus is holy and blameless and without fault. Anybody grateful for that? Come on, somebody. Let's give him praise. So when I come before God, he sees me through the finished work of Jesus. The priest did not inspect the man. He inspected the sacrifice. And when God sees you, he sees the sacrifice of Jesus. That's why you've, hold, you've heard the old preachers and you, hold your, you heard your old Pentecostal grandmother say, say, I've been covered in the blood. I've, I've been covered. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what happened when we, when we placed our faith in Jesus. We got washed in the blood of Jesus. And so now God doesn't see you. He sees what Jesus has done for you. Hear me, friend, when Jesus said it is finished, 
He meant it. And Jesus said, it is finished before you ever started. So do I take this and just go be an idiot? No, because sin can ruin your life and it will ruin your life. That's not what I'm talking about. I could be wholly blameless without fault and go rob a bank today and go to prison and lose my destiny. We're not talking about that. I'm talking about you can't live in an unhealthy fear of God that when you sin, you don't run to God, you run away from God. That's what I'm talking about. I pray to God that when, when Goldie is old enough to do crazy things, that when she does, I pray she knows that she can come to dad. I pray she knows she can come and talk and confess and cry. And we can say, okay, we're going to move forward together. Because my arms are always going to be open to that little girl. And here's what Jesus said about me. Jesus said about me that as a father, I'm evil compared to the heavenly father. So if my arms will always be open to my baby, how much more will the arms of God always be open to you and to me? We're going to look at six hours on a Friday, Jesus made seven statements on a cross. Six hours on a Friday, Jesus made seven statements on a cross. For six hours, he hung and bled on a cross. And during those six hours, he made seven different statements and we're going to look at these seven statements over the next four weeks we're going to look at about two a week and then we're going to end right before Easter with it is finished and I want to give you in chronological order we're going to go through these and the first word the first phrase the first statement is the word of forgiveness Jesus on the cross of Calvary Jesus, the perfect lamb, the firstborn, the blameless one, the holy one, the righteous one is now on a sinner's cross. The, the righteous paying the penalty of the guilty, the holy paying the price for the unholy. And here's the first statement out of Jesus' mouth as he hung on the cross. Luke chapter 23, verse 34. Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they do. I want you to know that the response of God to your sin and to my sin is forgiveness. After three and a half years of ministry, Acts chapter 10 verse 38 says it like this, Jesus went around doing good. For three and a half years, Jesus did nothing but good. He did nothing but heal. He did nothing but deliver. He did nothing but resurrect the dead. He did nothing but feed and clothe the people. He did nothing but help. He did nothing but forgive. He did nothing. He did nothing but good for three and a half years. For three and a half years, he cared for the people and blessed the people and preached to the people and helped the people and taught the people. And for three and a half years, he did nothing but good to humanity. But John chapter 1 tells us that the people's response was they received him not. And friend, I wish I could tell you today that the first century missed it, but but we receive him, and we've never done that, but 
How many of you know we're, we're just as guilty? He's been so good to you, hasn't he? He's been so good to me. And yet we forget his faithfulness. We end up back in a rhythm of complaining and we end up back in addictions and sins. He's been so good. He's been so kind. He's been, he's been so forgiving. And yet we end up like the people of the first century, rejecting him instead of accepting him. And so when Jesus said, Father, forgive them, he wasn't just talking about them. He wasn't just talking about the Roman soldier that was nailing him to the cross. He wasn't just talking about Judas or Pontius Pilate. He wasn't just talking about Herod. He was talking about me. And friend, he was talking about you. He was looking into the future. And he says, Father, forgive him. They don't know what they do. What does that mean? God, they don't even get the magnitude. The destructive force of sin. They don't understand the ramifications. But God, in the midst of it, forgive them anyway. Jesus is so faithful. He's so good. That even when we turn and even when we fall and even when we forget... His response is always the same. It's not justice nor judgment. It's not anger. It is not shock or surprise. It is one thing and one thing only for the child of God. It's forgiveness. And I pray that what this first statement does for you is that every time you fall, every time you sin, every time pride rises or greed rises or an addiction rises, an evil word comes out of your mouth. I pray you wouldn't run from God. I pray you don't run from the house of God. I want you to picture Jesus on the cross, arms open saying, I forgive you. Let's move forward. I love you. You were surprised by what you did. I wasn't. Are we not so self-righteous? Lord, I promise I'll never do that again. I'm serious. And then we're shocked when we do it again. Lord, I'll never gamble again. I'm never going to a casino again. I'm never, never, never. That night, ding, ding. Like. And then what do we do the next morning? But this time I'm serious. Oh, come on. Stop all that. Stop trying to make deals with God. And just fall on your face and say, Lord, I thank you that you forgive me, that you love me. And I thank you that even though I don't act holy, blameless, or without fault, when you see me, you see me as holy, blameless, and without fault. And I ain't going to run away from you. I'm going to run right back to you. And I'm going to say, God, can we start again? And God says, it was finished before you even started. We may be surprised. God is never surprised. So what, so what do I do when I sin? What do I do, preacher? Do I act like it never happened? No. First John chapter 1, verse 9. If you'll confess your sins to him, he is faithful and he's just. Think about just. He's not faithful and merciful. He's faithful and just. In other words, it's the right thing to do for God to forgive you. What? Yeah. 
because justice was already poured out on Jesus. God already judged Jesus. So the just thing to do is to forgive you for the price he paid. Reuben, imagine if you were in front of me at Starbucks and in, in line in the, in the drive-thru and you paid for my coffee. This, I feel a prophetic word right now like this, no. <laughs> the just thing to do is for Starbucks to give me that coffee for free because you paid for it. It's been paid for. So the right thing to do is for God to forgive you. Not because he's light on sin. Look at the cross. Not because he's weak at sin. Not because he winks at sin. No, look at the judgment that was poured on Jesus. But now because of it, he's just to forgive you. And he'll cleanse us. He said if you'll confess this, this word confess is from the Greek word homogeo. Homo is where we get same, like homosexual or those kind of words, homo. Homogeo, it means to say the same thing. God says, if you'll say the same thing about your sin that I say about it. So number one, God, it's sin. I ain't winking at it. I ain't making excuses for it. I ain't playing with it. It's not a weakness. I'm sorry. But number two, to say the same thing means, but you've forgiven me. And you are good. And you call me holy. So I'm not going to beg for something that has already been purchased for. God, please forgive me. He goes, you don't have to say it like that. I love you. To say the same thing God says about it. And to say the same thing God says about you. That's how we get forgiven forever. Hear me, friend, when you repent, God forgives you instantly. God forgives you completely. Like he doesn't kind of forgive you. Y'all know, come on, how many know we can kind of forgive people? Come on, somebody, be real. You're like, I forgive you, but I'm gonna keep it in the back of my head for the perfect time. <laughs> God says, no, no, no. I forgive you completely. I've, God will forgive you repeatedly and God forgives you freely. Now, now listen, we confess to God for forgiveness. But if you really want to get free, look at James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your sins to each other. Not to the pastor. To each other. Find you a friend. Talk to your spouse. Get you a guy in your life. Guys that you could talk to. Girls, get a girl in your life you could talk to. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other that you may be healed. When I confess to God, he forgives me. When I confess to you, God heals me. This is why we got to join groups. You know that the second part of our vision is to find freedom. We don't find freedom on our own. We find freedom in community. And we're about to launch groups in April. You got to join a group. You got to be a part of a group. I'm begging you. 
Because true healing does not happen on your own. True healing happens when we talk. And, and in case some, there's like someone freaked out in here like, so we're going to get in groups and confess our sins? No, 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 no. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to find a friend. You're going to find a homie. You're going to find a girlfriend. You're going to find somebody. And you're not going to do it week one or two or three or four. But after a while, you're going to, find, you're going to trust that friend and you're going to be leaving group. And as you're both getting in your cars, you're going to say, hey, bro, uh, can I, uh, uh, can, uh, can, uh, well, uh. <laughs> can we talk? Yeah, yeah. What do we need? Yo, so my, my marriage uh, is falling apart. Can you pray for me? I've made some mistakes. Only she knows. I need help. And you start talking to each other. God's already forgiven you. But now God's going to heal you. This is a safe place, friend. It's a safe place. Number two, I have five minutes. Um, the devil is a liar. Number two. Number one is the word of forgiveness. Number two is the word of salvation. Hear me. We can forgive, but only God can save. Jesus forgives and then calls us to forgive. But he does not call us to save because we can't. He actually said it like this in the psalm. Salvation is of the Lord. Like, this is my job. We can forgive, but only Jesus can save. The, the second word on the cross is the word of salvation. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, oh man, I don't know why I'm getting emotional. Ah, I assure you, today, you're gonna be with me in paradise today. This man didn't pray a sinner's prayer. He didn't get water baptized. But he was staring at eternity and he went, I'm in trouble. Jesus saw his heart and said, I can tell you're, you're at that moment. You need me, hon. He said, I need you. And, and he said, today, going to be with me in paradise. Give me some more of that. Turn that up. So Jesus doesn't just forgive our sin. He saves us from our sin. He changes us. He makes us brand new. See, friend, once we die, eternity begins. When you die, it's not the end. It's only the beginning. Our, our great hero, the great pastor to our nation, Dr. Billy Graham, he just died. But he really just begin. He actually said that. He said, you're, you're going to read one day that Billy Graham has died. He said, don't believe. Don't believe a word of it. He said, I didn't die. I just started living. <laughs> for eight months, we've been in preparation for this thing called City Light Church. On lunch Sunday, we didn't end something. We just began something. And the moment we breathe our last, we don't end something. We begin something. I hope you're ready for eternity. Today I'm going to give you that opportunity. The Bible says it like this, Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the wages of sin is death, but the free 
gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. The wages of sin, the payment for sin. So if you go work your job and after you put in 40 hours and you get a paycheck, you don't go to your boss, fall on your face and go, thank you, thank you, thank you. No, you, de you deserve the paycheck. Y'all know what I'm saying? It's your wage. You work for sin, you're going to get a wage. But the free gift of God is eternal life. Sin will destroy your life, but Jesus will give you a brand new life. And it's free. Can't work for it. Can't pray enough for it. Can't fast enough for it. Can't walk enough people across a busy street for it. Can't serve enough for it. You could come at 6 a.m. and help us set up for the next 30 years. And I hope we're not setting up in 30 years, but I do hope you'll come next week and help us set up. <laughs> but guess what? Even if you come at 6 a.m. next week, and you should, it doesn't get you into heaven because salvation is free. All you got to do is say, Lord, re remember me. He says, I'd love to. He's so good. How many believe God's going to speak to us over the next month? Come on. Anybody grateful? Anybody grateful for Jesus? Can you just clap your hands one time and just give him praise? We lo I love you, Lord. Pray with me. Bow your head and close your eyes. If you would say, Jabin, today I, I recognize my need for a Savior. I recognize my need for Jesus Christ. Like that thief on the cross, I need God to remember me. Pray this prayer. Come to God. Come to God for the very first time, or maybe you've just gone crazy. You've walked away from God, and you're saying, I'm done. I need to come back to God. Pray with me. Everyone around you is going to pray. Everyone say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you died for me. You took my place on the cross. You died. You were buried for three days. But on the third day, you rose from the grave. And I believe you are Lord. And I declare Jesus is Lord of my life. And he is the Savior of my soul. And I will never be the same. In Jesus' name.